the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. On this Thursday, the sixth morning of the twelfth month of the year of our Lord, 2018. Good morning to you. Thanks so much for tuning in. If you missed the first hour, you missed a really good conversation with Larry Pratt. Good news for you is it's going to be podcasted in very short order. Always check out our podcasts. I think what we're doing now, in addition to making those podcasts available at whkradio.com, every day's program is uh, is put there for you to listen to at a later time if you wish. Um, whkradio.com is kind of your first place, your go-to place, but I just saw recently, and it's my, to my shame that I'm not visiting the Facebook page enough, but I think it's also on the WHK AM 1420, The Answer Facebook page, too. They're podcasting every hour and putting a link up there on the Facebook page, too. So great opportunities for you to listen to the shows that you miss. And the interviews that you miss, like the one we just did with Larry Pratt. So uh, he was uh, speaking. I have one other story, by the way, before I move on on the program, and I have other things to talk about this hour. And I welcome your phone calls at 216-901-0945, Either one of those numbers will get you here. Uh, I, I do have other things to talk about, and I know that you want to call about, but one, just so I don't beat a dead horse here, you heard me, PETA. I didn't say feed a fed horse. I said beat a dead horse. Why? Because I'm normal. That's why. Um, I don't want to beat a dead horse here on the gun issue. But this story just needs to be shared, right? Columbia, South Carolina. This from two days ago. It's from thir- uh, Tuesday, rather. An inmate who had just escaped from county jail in South Carolina was shot and killed by a woman after he kicked in her back door, according to the local sheriff there. The inmate was still in his orange jail jumpsuit and had grabbed a knife sharpening tool from the woman's kitchen in Pickens as he headed toward her bedroom around 3 a.m. Tuesday, according to Pickens County Sheriff Rick Clark. So paint the little picture here. He's got his little orange jumpsuit on. He's not little. He's a big guy. He's got this orange jumpsuit on. He kicks in her door, goes into her kitchen, gets a weapon, presumably to be used against whoever is there so that he can, you know, hide there in that home or get whatever supplies he needs to try to, you know, continue to affect his escape. So um, it's about 3 o'clock in the morning, and he heads toward her bedroom. And according to the sheriff, Rick Clark, quote, this was a big guy. If she hadn't had a weapon, there's no telling what would have happened to her. I gave her a big hug. I told her how proud I was of her. The woman was home alone, but had gone through training to get a concealed weapons permit. Bruce McLaughlin Jr., 30 years old, died of a gunshot wound to the head. Oh, wow, she didn't even shoot center mass. She shot high, or maybe she aimed center mass and just uh, it rose up on her. But she shot him in the head, according to the coroner, Candy Kelly. McLaughlin and a second inmate, Timothy Dill, beat up two guards in an escape that they had planned for days said Clark at a news conference. Dill was recaptured by deputies without incident about the same time McLaughlin was being shot, but the two were going in opposite directions, the sheriff said. The guards had bruises and one complained of sore back, but they should recover. 
Inmates tried to help the guards when they were attacked. That's good news. McLaughlin stole the guards' keys, locked them in a room, but inmates also broke the door down, the sheriff said. Uh, Dill is charged with escape along with two counts of kidnapping. McLaughlin uh, had been in, in and out of the Pickens County Jail for about a dozen times on charges ranging for, uh, from uh, drug, drug possession to assaulting a police officer, officer to shoplifting. He's currently awaiting trial on first-degree burglary and grand larceny charges, according to the sheriff's office records. Dill was awaiting trial on a, s- a criminal sexual conduct with a minor charge. The sheriff said the homeowner was taken by the sh- shaken by the shooting, rather, and asked him to help her maintain her privacy. He did not release her name. Good. Clark said the shooting is clearly justified, but will forward the case file to prosecutors once the investigation is completed to finish it up. This is a shining example of why owning and knowing how to use a gun is important, the sheriff said. She came out on the good on this, and the other guy, the bad guy, did not. I, I wish I had seen, well, actually I had seen it. I wish I had remembered to bring this story up to Larry Pratt. Because the story I did last hour... <clears throat> It's, it comes into direct play here, and I don't know anything about this woman, but what if, for the sake of discussion, what if she had been a social media user and she had said some things that some organizational body that would be charged with reviewing people's social media for one to three years before granting them a license for a handgun, uh, what if she had been a social media user and, and, and had written something that this organizational body decided they didn't like? You don't get a gun. Because that's what they're trying to do in New York State. This is South Carolina. But that's what a senator in New York State is trying to do. To expand background checks to include your comments. Things you say. (laughs) Things that you just say on social media. To determine whether or not they're disrespectful, mean, rude, or threatening to anybody. uh, But but especially if it's based on personal, uh, or excuse me, a specific... um, uh, oppressed groups or protected classes based on religion, race, ethnicity, sexuality, yada, yada, yada. But if she had done any of those things and such a law was in place, she doesn't get a gun. And what happens when Mr. Uh, Bruce McLaughlin Jr., the big guy, comes kicking her door in at 3 o'clock in the morning and heading to her bedroom? Lord knows what would have happened to her. But the, again, just a great example of what? What do we always say? And I know it, the left hates to hear it. But this is good guy, and in this case, good woman with a gun, beats a bad guy and protected against a bad guy with a gun. It's the only way. It's the only way. All right. Now, I do want to pivot, as I mentioned, and we are going to be open this hour, so we are guest-free. If you want to dial, do it anytime you wish, 216-901-0945, I want to turn my attention to Democrat Senator Kirsten Gillibrand in New York. If you, if you have not yet heard or read about this tweet, uh, you're about to. Kirsten Gillibrand, the Democrat senator from New York, who is auditioning for her role as a 2020 pres- presidential candidate, along with Cory Booker and Kamala Harris and Focahannis uh, 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 and, and, and all the rest of them. Joe Biden says he's the most qualified person in America, not just Democrat, person in America to be president. Beto O'Rourke is going to run. Kirsten Gillibrand wants her shot at this thing, too. And she tweeted yesterday uh, the following, quote, Our future is female. Intersectional, powered by our belief in one another, and we're just getting started. Our future, she said, is female. Now, that 
statement in and of itself could be <laughs> dissected and, and torn apart in, in an embarrassing fashion for her. Number one, it is extraordinarily sexually biased. It is sexist against men, suggesting that 50% of the American population has no place in the future of this country. The future is female. For, can you imagine a male senator? Senator Timothy um, uh, Make-Believe said on Twitter, the future of this country is male. Holy goodness. They would be tearing him apart, both in effigy and in reality, at the next women's march. You can't say that. The future of the country is male. Women need not apply. Get back into the corners, to the shadows, to the kitchens. Uh, to the delivery rooms, go uh, take care of our business, go make us some sandwiches, and we're all good to go here. We got this. We are men. Can you imagine such a statement? Setting that aside, the notion that the future of this country is female is something that I I, I, I dare say is is kind of funny. It's 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 kind of laughable. Can you imagine a society, a female-only society? Can you imagine how that's going to work from two particular vantage points, those of infrastructure and security? We don't need men. Okay. I'm just wondering who's going to build your, sky, your, 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 uh, your skyscrapers, who's, who's going to build your bridges, Who's going to do your construction? Who's going to pave your roads? Who's going to do all of the things? Who's going to log your forests to provide the wood? That's right. Yes, we still need wood. You're going to go out there and do that yourselves? Just ladies? There's Men make no contributions whatsoever. Who's going to mine your coal? Who's going to lift your engine blocks to get the, to, so you can get from here to there? Who's going to pour your concrete? Who's going to do that stuff for you? Who's going to work on your power lines? Who's going to fight your wars? Who's going to defend you from foreign aggressors? Sorry, but the idea that the future is female, males need not apply, Kirsten Gillibrand, is, is, is not only is it offensive, not only is it discriminatory, not only is it, um, not only is it uh, sexist, it is incredibly dangerous thinking to think that you can just have a society that doesn't have male part- participation. But the second part of what she said is drawing a lot of scrutiny as well. She said, our future is female, and our future is intersectional. Intersectional? What does that mean? Well, if that phrase is foreign to you, you need the education, or you need an education on intersectionality. What does it mean? Well, I can tell you this. It's about the protected classes that I'm always talking about in this program. It's about protected people because of their membership in a particular class based on their color or their, uh, their religion or their ethnicity or their sexual orientation, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, and how all of them intersect with one another. I have a brilliant explanation for what intersectionality means um, as it pertains to Kirsten Gillibrand's statement that I'll share with you after we check our traffic again. It's 1020 right now, so let's do that. And then I'll share with you something that I think you're going to really appreciate. And then we'll take your phone calls, 216-901-0945 on AM 1420, The Answer. Until I met you, told myself I'd get by without love. Drowning my sorrows, avoiding tomorrow. 
In Macedonia, an accident, Highland Road westbound at Route 8, northbound Jennings Freeway before I-71. There's construction in the left lane. Hillside Road closed between Phillip Boulevard and Brexville Road due to a water main break. This report sponsored by Dell. Dell Small Business Advisors can help you maximize this year's budget and find the right business PC with 8th Gen Intel Core Processors. Call 877-BY-DELL. That's 877-BY-DELL. That's your traffic update. I'm Mike Kessler on AM 1420, The Answer. Hey, Bob France here for my friends at the Floor King. And if you are having friends or family over for the holidays, guess what? You are in luck. You can get your house looking tip-top with new carpeting from the Floor King before Christmas. That's right. Get new carpet installed before the family comes in, treat them to beautiful new stain-proof carpet with the Anything Goes Christmas sale from the Floor King. Free installation on any Anything Goes carpet by Shaw, the industry's only no-crush, no-mat warranty. Get a new look and new carpeting installed free. That's right, free installation. And it'll be done by Christmas. As long as you call and order that carpet by December 15th. That's right. It gives you nine days to call 216-640-5000, schedule a free estimate, and get that installed by Christmas, and the installation is free. And, oh, by the way, if this doesn't tip the scales, I don't know what will, 24 months at 0% interest to pay for that carpeting. That's right. You get it installed by Christmas 2018. You don't have to have it paid off till Christmas 2020, and you don't pay a nickel of interest when you do. Call 216-640-5000. Get that new carpet installed before Christmas, only from the Floor King. Merry Christmas from the Floor King, where our prices will floor you. We can change the world. All right, it's 1024. I want to share this with you now. Um, I want to talk about intersectionality. Moreover, I want to listen about intersectionality. You know, there's... uh, uh, there's there's one thing to try to recreate something, but if somebody else has done it better than you can, uh, let them do it. And I'm not going to recreate it. I'm going to let Ben Shapiro do this by way of Prager University. Dennis Prager and the wonderful folks and animators at Prager University have done a brilliant job of this. And I want to let you hear this in five minutes. Uh, this is intersectionality. Democrat Senator Kirsten Nielsen, or uh, I'm sorry, Kirsten uh, Gillibrand. I want to confuse her with Homeland Security Secretary Kirsten Nielsen. Um, but Kirsten Gillibrand says that the future is female and it is intersectional. A lot of people are saying, what is intersectionality? Ben Shapiro will give you that explanation. You probably think your opinions matter. You probably think you're an individual with unique experiences, thoughts, and ambitions. Well, I hate to break it to you, but according to current leftist orthodoxy, you're wrong. You see, your opinion only matters relative to your identity and where that identity ranks on the hierarchy of intersectionality. If you're now thinking, what the hell are you talking about? You haven't spent much time on a modern college campus. Intersectionality is a form of identity politics in which the value of your opinion depends on how many victim groups you belong to. At the bottom of the totem pole is the person everybody loves to hate, the straight white male. And who's at the top? Well, it's very hard to say, because new groups claim victim status all the time. No one can keep track. So, how does this intersectionality thing play out? Something like this. Let's say you're a gay white woman. Your opinion matters, but less than that of a gay black woman. Why? Because while all women are oppressed by the patriarchy, and all gays are oppressed by the heterosexual majority, blacks have a victim status that whites obviously don't. Of course, a gay black woman's victim status is less than that of a black trans woman who ranks below a black Muslim trans woman, and so on. The more memberships you can claim in oppressed groups, the more aggrieved you are and the higher you rank. Get it? Good, because it's about to get even more complicated. 
Intersectionality takes your victim status and uses it as the basis for creating alliances with other victim groups. 30 or 40 years ago, activists encouraged racial solidarity among blacks to combat oppression. But today, that's not enough. Today's activists demand blacks make common cause with other allegedly oppressed people, gays, lesbians, transgenders, Palestinians, Native Americans, whomever. Here's the logic. A black gay and a Hispanic gay may not belong to the same victim group racially, but they do belong to the same victim group on the basis of their sexuality. By focusing on the places where various victim identities intersect, intersectionality creates a united us versus them paradigm. Righteous victims rising up together to fight the oppressor, those dreaded straight white men. This explains why at a rally protesting the treatment of Palestinians by Israel, you might see a contingent of lesbian activists. That's intersectionality at work. They're so united by their victim status that it doesn't matter if Islamists throw gays off of buildings or murder female family members who defy their father's wishes. Victim solidarity trumps all other considerations. The term intersectionality was coined by Kimberly Crenshaw, a professor of law at Columbia University. She explains that intersectionality was my attempt to make feminism, anti-racist activism, and anti-discrimination law do what I thought they should, highlight the multiple avenues through which racial and gender oppression were experienced. To Crenshaw, America is a terrible place full of victim groups, each with their particular set of grievances. Why shouldn't these victim groups get together and form a political coalition unified by the belief that the majority society has harmed them? That some professor tucked away in an ivory tower would come up with this nonsense is not surprising. What is surprising and disturbing is that so many people actually go along with it. America is the most open, least racist nation on the planet. That Professor Crenshaw is free to spin her nonsensical theories and get paid well for it should offer adequate proof of that. And since when do you have to live someone's experience in order to understand them? You don't have to live as a slave in order to understand that slavery is cruel and wrong. You don't have to live as a woman in order to recognize the evil of rape. Finally, and most important, intersectionality promotes the biggest hoax of all, that we aren't individuals who are to be judged on the basis of how we act, but are merely members of groups to be judged on the basis of our group identity. In other words, you and I as individuals with our unique experiences, thoughts, and ambitions count for nothing. Our racial and sexual identity count for everything. It's hard to imagine an idea less likely to produce a free and equal America than that. But what do I know? I'm just a straight white male. I'm Ben Shapiro for Prager University. I gotta tell you, the Prager University video stream is just the best that there is. Honestly, their, their, uh, ability to, you know, really kind of crystallize and make clear a lot of very sometimes cloudy and, and, and difficult to understand concepts is just brilliant. Their, their animation, by the way, in addition to the great narration of people like Ben Shapiro, seriously, second to none, make sure you visit PragerU.com and uh, make sure you subscribe to them on all of the local social channels, or rather the social channels, Twitter, Facebook, even YouTube, where there is a lawsuit against YouTube for trying to censor Prager University. But uh, to the content at hand here, and we'll take your calls on this after the news, uh, that's what intersectionality is. You take all of the various different protected classes or victim groups, and they all find common ground with one another, as he said, to form an us-against-them um, uh, type of paradigm. And the us is anybody who is oppressed by them, which is straight white males. We're straight, we're white, and we're men, and therefore we're evil on three different fronts. And everybody who's ever been victimized by somebody because they were white, because they're uh, male, or because they're straight, we are going to unify against them. This is identity politics on super steroids, and that's what the left is playing. This is Democrat Senator Kirsten Gillibrand's dream intersectionality, women only.
That's what her dream is. That's what just one of the, the many uh, ridiculous ideas that the left has for the future of this country. And again, I ask you to consider during the news, can you imagine what would happen to a Republican senator who would suggest, a male senator who would suggest the future of this country is male and not female the way she did? Uh, I think things would be burning right now. All right, 1031, let's get news and uh, light them up. 216-901-0945. Let's hear from you on this matter and more on AM 1420, The Answer. 1818. Progressive Democrats, please be aware you have now entered the place where political correctness goes to die. This is the Bob France Authority on AM 1420. The answer. Yes, indeed. 1035 as we roll on. Uh, again, phone lines are open at 216-901-0945, uh, Congratulations to uh, Donald Trump Jr., <laughs> who uh, uh, clarified, I think, a lot of our response to Kirsten Gillibrand, <clears throat> the uh, Democrat senator from New York, who suggested, didn't suggest, said straight out on her Twitter feed yesterday uh, that the future of this country is female. Uh, Donald Trump Jr. responded with this tweet, Good to know. My girls will be excited about this. When is it appropriate to let my boys, nine, seven, and six years old, that there's no future for them? Not sure this is a winning platform, but you be you. Very, very well said. Not nearly as well said, however, as the tweet by Senator Marco Rubio, who tweeted yesterday in response to Kirsten Gillibrand, our future is American, an identity based not on gender, race, ethnicity, or religion, but on the powerful truth that all people are created equal with a God-given right to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Very well done by Marco Rubio. Our future is American. And it's, in essence, what Rubio did, and to a lesser extent, Donald Trump Jr., what they did here was remind the left, go ahead, play your identity politics while you continue to try to divide and splinter. We will continue to unite people based on the goal, and well, not the goal, but based on the simple universal truth that we are all Americans. And as Americans, we are stronger together than we are splintered up into factions. The left's goal is to splinter people, identify them. Not as Ben Shapiro said in that uh, wonderful piece that he that he did uh, for PragerU. Um, what we are not about is our individual in the leftist mind. By the way, our individual strengths and gifts, and our own thoughts and ideas and beliefs. We are about what we identify as. If we identify ourselves not as individuals but a member of a group, the black group, the Latino group, the gay group, the trans group, the the Islamic group, the uh, the straight or gay group, maybe I already hit that part. The you know the the various different the religious group. If we identify ourselves as part of a group, then we can claim victim status whenever someone else in the group is attacked. Then I have been attacked, and thus now I have worth because I can fight back as a victim. Whereas the right and our ideas, and this is why we still control two-thirds of the federal government in terms of uh, the governing bodies. We still control the White House, the executive branch, and one of the two branches of Congress. Not to be confused with Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, who thinks there are three chambers of government, President, Senate, and, and Congress, who are in the House, I should say. She has apparently never heard of the judiciary. 
which I find to be just this side of impossible. But I don't want to digress. I don't want to uh, go off the rails too much there and go into that into that part of the story. Although I very easily could because I do have an Alexandria Ocasio Cortez story to share as well. But um, what one of the reasons why we won and we still control the government, with the exception of the House, is because we have continued to bring people together. And what's f- most frustrating for me is to listen to the left. If you listen to leftist news, uh, cable news. And they continue to call Donald Trump the divider-in-chief. He's trying to divide us. He's trying to divide us. He's trying to divide us. They say this over and over again. As if the more frequently you repeat a lie, the more accurate and truthful it becomes. And that's what they kind of believe. Who has been more divisive? A president who says America first, all of us together, America first? Or um, a party whose leaders take turns describing us as black Americans, Latino Americans, gay Americans, trans Americans, straight Americans, and on down the line, identifying all of the differences between us so that each person can be treated a little bit differently with a little bit extra, a little bit of extra care, maybe a little bit of few, uh, extra bonus points because of their membership in a protected class. The intersectional among us as Kirsten Gillibrand talked about and as Ben Shapiro clarified for those who did not understand that. Who's really dividing here? And that is something that I think, uh, you know, is, is, is worthy of looking at when 2020 ca- candidates start rolling in. You know, we haven't had declared candidates yet, but you know Kirsten Gillibrand will be one of them. And anybody who believes her ideology, her idea, whatever you want to say about it, that uh, the future of this country is female and intersectional, they are believing in division. They are believing in judging people based on their membership in a particular group rather than believing in somebody based upon their own personal ideas and their own personal ideologies. And that, to me, is a major problem. All right. I mentioned I had an Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez story to share with you, and I do, and I want to just give this to you briefly. Since we're talking about ignorant Democrats... Uh, like Christian Gillibrand. Let's talk about the most ignorant of all of the Democrats in the Congress, newly elected Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. You know you are in some serious trouble. First of all, you have a reputation being built very accurately uh, as being a little bit less than intelligent, a little bit less than understanding of government. When you do an interview after you've been elected talking about, well, I'm not really an expert on uh, geopolitics or whatever it was that she said. I'm not really an expert. Oh, she, oh, I remember what it was. She was trying to say that the Israelis and Israeli Jews are occupying Palestinian land, <laughs> which is, hello, there is a recognized nation state of Israel. There is no recognized nation state of Palestine. But when she was challenged on that, she said, you don't really believe that there are like people are 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 are, are um, squatting or whatever the phrase that she was she used in this interview on Palestinian land you realize that's not a recognized thing right she goes well i'm not the expert on uh, geopolitical matters she hasn't been an expert on any matters she keeps pushing medicare for all which has been uh, determined by numerous budgetary think tanks to cost roughly around 32 trillion dollars to provide for all Americans, she's a socialist in training, obviously, $32 trillion to implement over 10 years. To give you an idea, of course, of the absurdity of that, our current federal debt built from year one and uh, until today is just about $21 trillion. She wants to actually go that and, and then half on top of it again to provide uh, Medicare for all. 
Well, she her latest uh, um, collision, head-on collision with math and facts and, and intelligence, uh, it was so bad that it's even been called out by the leftist press. She suggested in a tweet that the Pentagon's $21 trillion that are quote-unquote missing or could not be traced or documented somehow uh, indicate that Medicare for All could be done if we just find that $21 trillion of Pentagon financial transactions that are lost. That would take uh, about two-thirds of the cost of $32 trillion for Medicare for All and pay for it. I mean, sir, you have to almost intentionally think this shallow and, 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 and this dumb, I think, to really, to really get there, unless you really are just that hopeless. But her tweet was, $21 trillion of Pentagon financial transactions could not be traced, documented, or explained. $21 trillion in Pentagon accounting errors. Medicare for all costs $32 trillion. That means 66% of Medicare for all could have been funded already by the Pentagon. This in a tweet from Monday, from, or I'm sorry, Sunday from Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. The Defense Department is awash with money. So much money that neither the staff nor 1,200 auditors could make sense of where it all went. Enter Ocasio-Cortez. She supports expanding Medicare to people under 65, what's known as single-payer or Medicare for all. But the big question is how to pay for all of that health care. According to an estimate from the Urban Institute and others, the price tag would be $32 trillion over 10 years, as I laid out. Maybe the Pentagon has a few trillion dollars laying around somewhere, or as Ocasio-Cortez implied, or she's just ignorant. You know the answer to that question. My point is, you know you're in trouble when the mainstream media, which has had your and your party's back and carries your water on the daily, you know when they come for you, you have really, really gone off the rails. The Washington Post reviewed this statement made by uh, Cortez and came to the conclusion that, well, yes, this is worthy of four Pinocchios. There is no $21 trillion just lying around that hasn't been accounted for and that can be spent on Medicare or anything else. The entire national, threat, uh, national debt is $21 trillion. According to the Congressional Budget Office, the total defense spending from 98 to 2015, this is 1998 to 2015, was $9 trillion. The CBO estimates $7 trillion in defense spending from 2019 to 2028. In other words, if you completely defunded the military for the next decade, it would yield only one-fifth of $32 trillion. That's a much better way of illustrating the true cost of Medicare for All. So the Washington Post gives Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez four Pinocchios, saying... Ocasio-Cortez is not the first Twitter user to mangle information from a news report, but it's unconvincing to try to pass this off as a rhetorical point being misread. She cited the $21 trillion figure and said that 66% of Medicare for All could have been funded already by the Pentagon. That's a direct comparison. It's badly flawed. The same article she referenced on Twitter would have set her straight. Her tweet is still up, probably causing confusion, so we will award four Pinocchios to Ocasio-Cortez. I would submit to you that the Washington Post is doing her a favor by saying that she lied. And I think that's what this is. You know, they still carry the water. Even when they call out Democrats for obvious things like this, they're still trying to do damage control for them. They're still trying to play PR uh, firm for their beloved Democrats, including this ultimate Nimrod.
So they're saying that she lied and misled about this, which can be forgiven because, well, virtually all politicians lie and mischaracterize things at certain times for political gain, right? I would submit to you, when you look at her tweet and her series of tweets and her series of public statements, that it's wrong to say that she lied. This congressional cocktail waitress, or I'm sorry, bartender, that's what she used to be, a bartender, this congressional bartender, Cortez, got these four Pinocchios indicating that she's a liar when I think she's not a liar, she's just flat stupid. Dumb. Ignorant. Uneducated. Doltish. Naive. Moronic. Simple-minded. Obtuse. Thick-headed. Unintelligent. Do we get the picture here? That's what I think. I think this young woman, who should be tearing tickets at your local movie theater instead of serving in Congress, is a stampede of stupid. And every time she tries to sound intelligent, it just comes out worse. And the, now, the new leftist uh, model for, for protecting her is to just say, well, she's not really dumb, she's just, uh, she's just a, a liar. Remember, I've talked about this in a number of other circumstances. Which is worse? Which do you want your uh, failing members of Congress or elected officials to be? Would you, would you rather have them be dishonest and corrupt, but, but really competent and qualified, or have them be uh, honest, but just stupid? In, in Ocasio-Cortez's case, she's just flat-out stupid. There's, there's just no way of getting around that. And they're trying to call her corrupt, or not corrupt, but uh, intentionally dishonest inst- instead. Ron writes... Uh, and this, again, I always invite you to comment on our Twitter and our Facebook pages. Radio Done Right, France Radio. Ron writes, she actually has a minor in economics. If that isn't an indictment of our educational system, I don't know what is. That is very, very accurate. I have done this before. I have done this before, and I will continue to do it. I will shine the light of shame on institutions that provide degrees to people like her. She went to Boston University. And she went to Yorktown Central School District, Yorktown High School in the Bronx. Those are the two universe or two uh, uh, schools in terms of high school and then uh, 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 higher ed uh, that have conferred upon her diplomas or degrees. Yes, and I will continue to shame them for that because yes, she. It, it, what does it say that she really truly does not understand basic economics? Eric says, "What's scary if the men, uh, what's scary is the mental capacity of the people who voted for her." and the millions of others around the country who just put her party back in charge of the House of Representatives. That is where we're headed, folks, and I completely agree. I'm dumbfounded, says Mark, as to how somebody this stupid could be elected. William says the people who scream that everyone should vote do so to ensure the electorate is dumb enough to elect people like her. Now we're on to something, by the by. Now we're on to something. Because we're going to have to talk about this between now and 2020 as well. We always talk about the constitutional duty that you as an adult uh, eligible voter in this country has to make sure that you cast your votes. We always talk about that. You've got to vote. Vote, 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 vote. If you don't vote, then you have uh, abrogated your responsibility to your country. But sometimes I wonder, and I know people have said this before on this program, Bob, why are you encouraging everyone to vote only 
educated people should vote. That doesn't mean formal educated as in college graduates, meaning people who are studying the issues and the candidates and paying attention to the news, people who, and that's all the news, not just the mainstream media and fake news. But when you have, when you have uneducated, meaning people who have, don't have the first clue as to what's going on with our economy, with our jobs, with our uh, trading, uh, you know, trade uh, uh, deficits, with our military buildup, with uh, all of these different things that matter in this country, and they're just voting based on popularity or a pretty face when they're, when they're essentially not qualified as voters. Do you really want everyone to vote? Do we really want 100% voter turnout in any American election? Well, all I would do is submit to you, look at the uh, district that is uh, represented by Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. You're right. A lot of these people should not vote. 1051, right back after this on AM 1420, The Answer. Accident Highland Road westbound of Route 8 has been cleared. There's construction Jennings Freeway northbound before I-71 in the left lane. Hillside Road closed between Phillip Boulevard and Brexville Road in Independence due to a water main break. This report sponsored by Ace. Christmas is better when you wrap it in red. Stop by your neighborhood Ace for gifts from best brands like Weber, Craftsman, DeWalt, Traeger, Yeti, and more. Only at Ace, the helpful place. That's traffic update. I'm Mike Kessler on AM 1420, The Answer. All right, 1054, the Bob France Authority, final segment of the broadcast this morning. Just reading another uh, brilliant uh, tweet from Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. I want to, let me go away from her for a moment. I, I, I talked about Gillibrand, and I talked about Cortez, and I just know, by the way, since this particular half hour of the show has been dedicated to liberal stupidity from the uh, uh, Democratic women, somebody's going to say I'm a sexist because I'm not criticizing Democrat men. Clearly, they haven't heard me talking about Chuck Schumer and Cory Booker and Barack Obama and Joe Biden and, uh, and all the rest of them ever, right? Harry Reid ever. But this just happens to be the case right now, that Gillibrand is a female, especially making the female case uh, about the future, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. And then this one, which really should be shared. Democrat Senator Maisie Hirono, whom you may recall, was the one of the lead attack dogs trying to stop Brett Kavanaugh from being uh, um, confirmed to the United States Supreme Court, or Supreme Court of the United States, to be more precise. Maisie Hirono found her 15 minutes of fame beginning there, and she is not about uh, not about to let it uh, uh, let it end now. Doing an interview, Democrat Senator Maisie Hirono has an explanation as to why it is voters preferred Republicans in all of these Senate races, and why they could, why they voted for Donald Trump, and more. And the reason why is because they're dumb. You have to be smart to understand a Democrat because Democrats are so much smarter than everyone else. Listen to her. I have the answer to that because one of the things that we uh, Democrats uh, have a really hard time uh, is connecting to people's hearts instead of here. Um, we're really good at shoving out all the information that touch people here but not here. And I have been saying at all of our Senate Democratic retreats that we need to speak to the heart, not in a manipulative way, not in a way that brings forth everybody's fears and, and resentments, but truly to speak to the heart so that people know that we're actually on their side. We have a really hard 
hard time doing that. And one of the reasons that, that it was told to me at one of our retreats was that we Democrats know so much that is true. And we have to kind of <laughs> tell everybody how smart we are. And, and so we have a tendency to, to be very left brain. And we think, sis, uh, really, that, has a, that, that is not how people make decisions. So one of the books that I always bring up is The Righteous Mind by Jonathan Haidt, where the images of an elephant, and the elephant is... Right, the- I don't need to get into the minutiae there. Let's, all you needed to hear, the key part of that was, uh, we have a hard time connecting with voters because we know so much, and we're just so much smarter. And, and, and we, they, can't, they can't understand us on that level, so we have to speak to their hearts. Which, in essence, by the way, is the model of, of, of liberal politics. Liberals think with their hearts. They feel more than they think. It's about how, my God, how does that person feel? Not what is impact does it have on them in society? How does this person feel about that? How does this person feel about their, their gender, their this, that? It's all about touchy-feely as opposed to conservatism, where it's all about let's be practical, let's be reasonable, let's talk about the impact uh, of the greater good, and so on and so forth. So they, that's all they do is speak to the heart. That's all they do. They try to reach somebody with reason and logic and common sense and intelligence, and you lose them. Not because you know so much, but because you just are, you, you, you and, and, and your, your would-be liberal followers, followers don't know enough. When it comes time to actually find content rather than feelings, that's when they turn to conservatism. That's when they turn to Republican votes. Uh, Donnie in Euclid wants to get in before the bell here. Hey, Donnie, go ahead. Yeah, good morning, Bob. I mean, anybody that takes anything she says seriously is a sucker. But uh, basically what I wanted to do is I wanted to harken back to something that I told you about a long time ago. And to me, it really encapsulates uh, uh, Ocasio-Cortez, Gillibrand, and all. And I mean the entire Democratic battery. It, it, they they uh, bring to mind to me a song. An R and B song that I that I used to listen to back in nineteen seventy three by Curtis Mayfield. It was called Don't Worry If There's Hell Below We're All Gonna Go and the and the verse the biggest verse in that song was called Educated Fools from Uneducated Schools. <laughs> That's pretty good, good, Donnie. Bob. That does define them, doesn't it? That defines every one of the ones that I was just talking about. Even those who say, well, they just don't, we can't connect with them because we know so much. Wow, Maisie, just wow. Thanks to Larry Pratt, our guest who joined us today. Thanks to you for listening. Stay where you are. Mike Gallagher is next. We'll see you tomorrow on The Affair. Enjoy the silence. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.